What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right. We are off and running on another episode of What's the Spread? Mr. Brad Thomas. I am Miles on Sports. My friend, episode one. Stop. I, it always happens when you comes when it comes right into the break, like right when it goes from transitions from the music to that. So I would say, um, just don't say anything for like ten seconds and then start over. Okay. All right. What uh, what are you referring to? Like feedback? The yeah, that's when it. So it stops from the music and then it goes. And then it goes into a feedback right after the music starts. Like even it's it's like right when the recording starts, that's when you get the I'm getting the feedback from you. And then it goes back to normal. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so maybe I'll wait five seconds. Yeah, just boom, and I'll cut it down. All right. You want to send a new room? No, we can do it here. We'll just I'll just oh. run the thing again. We are off and running on another episode of What's the Spread, episode number 150. I am Miles on Sports, <laughs> Mr. Brad Thomas. How are we feeling? Dude, we I'm, are so about to head right I'm so stoked to talk football with one of my best friends in the entire world for our 150th episode. Like if I had like one of those little pads where I can make the crowd applause, I'd be doing it right now. Who knew the day that we met that we would embark on this journey of 150 podcast episodes, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of money that we've made, and a, hell, a lot of money that we've lost. I've never been more excited. When you told me that we were doing episode 150, I almost cried. It's like the podcast has gone from you know, us recording in an, in an office from our laptops to us having studio equipment. It has been one of the most amazing journeys that I could have done without you, the support of all of our friends and family and all our fans on Twitter. I couldn't have said better myself. I mean, here's, here's to another 150 more, right? It seems like just yesterday yes, we sir. celebrated number 100. Uh, it's something that, that we get to do each and every week is talk football with, with each other. And it is the highlight of my week. And this weekend, we got a big weekend in the SEC my friend. Yes. So what are we starting yeah. off with today? We're going to start off with a game that I'm very excited to talk about. The number eight Arizona Razorbacks traveling to Athens, Georgia to take on the number two Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are a 18 and a half point favorite. Ooh. Miles, I went back and forth on this. When I mean back and forth, I think I deleted things. I, I looked up different stats and ultimately I decided to lay my money on the Arizona Razorbacks at plus 18 and a half. Reason being, mini Cam Newton, he's probable for this game. He got hurt last game, but you saw how much of a threat he was. 212 yards, two touchdowns, 50 yards rushing in a limited capacity against Texas A&M. And then the biggest, the most important factor for this Georgia Bulldog offense is who? JT Daniels? Well, 
JT Daniels might not even play the entire game. And you saw that he was out earlier in the season. It's a totally different injury. Kirby Smart said he's going to be limited if he plays. So I'm liking, you know, I'm liking a defensive battle. Arkansas proved against Texas A&M that their defense can be elite, averaging 14 points on defense per game. And also, me and you, we know what happens when we see Stetson Stetson Bennett. I don't even know I say his name right, and that's such disrespect, but he's a he's a nobody in a grand scheme of winning a national championship. He won't be the guy to lead them to the promised land. Here's the thing. It's very uh, uncommon to see a spread this big in a top 10 matchup, and there's good reason for that, right? We have an Arkansas team who's coming in here 4-0. They looked really good last weekend, all right? 20-10 win over Texas A&M. But Texas A&M didn't have any kind of identity, identity on offense still. I mean, it's still the Correct. same problems for Jimbo Fisher, whereas Arkansas still was really impressive in that game, and they controlled the game. But the offense wasn't entirely uh, overbearing for me. The question yeah. is, is Arkansas for real? All right, because we have an 18 and a half point spread. Vegas is obviously seeing something in Georgia, and for good reason. I've been high on Georgia since the offseason. They're doing exactly what I thought they were going to do. You mentioned the there's a lot to talk about there. However, even with Stetson Bennett in the game, they're still moving the ball. And JT Daniels yeah. and Stetson Bennett collectively have been completing 75 passes this year. But what Georgia is doing on the defensive side of the ball, even against inferior competition, it doesn't matter. It's been absolute incompetent 181.8 yards allowed per game under 200 total yards allowed per game 5.8 points per game as you said it could set up for a defensive battle but I don't think that Arkansas uh really has seen an offense like the way that Georgia is moving the ball right now you could argue Texas we're going to talk about them today and I keep I keep coming back to that Texas game right because if I'm thinking about is Arkansas for real what are we getting out of Texas right now? Which again, yeah, I talk about them, today, but there's still so many unanswered questions. So if you were to, but anyway, you're on you're on Georgia, right? Yeah, I mean, having yeah. that said, I'm I'm taking the big spread here. There's two big spreads in the SEC this weekend. We're about to talk about Bama and Ole Miss. This is the one where I'm going to go ahead and take the large spread, even though it has not worked out in college football this year. If you think about <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, even just on this show. You and I both took Ohio State over Oregon. Oregon covers. You and I both took Alabama over Florida with that 14.5-point uh, yeah. spread. Florida covers. So we haven't had a lot of luck with big spreads this year, but Georgia is possibly looking like the number one team in the country right now, and I think that's what Vegas is seeing. One little thing I want to so say against that. I will that. take the big point spread. Uh, one thing I want to say against that, though, I, I – I have to go ahead and admit that I was yeah. wrong. I thought that Isaiah Spiller would just annihilate this the 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 Arkansas defense. They held him in check outside of that yeah. one big run. Outside of that big run, he was averaging two point eight yards per run. I'm gonna, I'm excited to see what Zamir White's going to do. And that's you know that was the most impressive part of that game is is the way contained Spiller because Texas A&M just had no answer on offense. None. They had they they came in with their game plan and just had no idea where to go from there. This Arkansas team really came out of nowhere. I mean, there is yeah. there is no doubt about that. So this is a proven game for them. All right. Next, we're going to talk about number 12, Ole Miss, at number one, Alabama. Another big point spread. Alabama, 14.5-point favorites here for the 330 game. I will go ahead and start. This is one where I'm going on the opposite side. It seems too easy, but I'm going with Ole Miss plus 14.5 for their ability to put up the points. Again, you could talk about how they haven't played an actual defense yet. However, when you're averaging 52.7 points per game, you can move the ball. 
Ole Miss, success against Alabama, 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven. And I keep coming back to that Florida game because, with it, you know, Emory Jones had a pretty decent game there. And I don't think Emory Jones throws a very good ball. They put up 29 on, on the Alabama defense. I'm going to check long enough to stay in that game. I think 14 and a half is just so many points. And the last time that I bet on that big Alabama spread, I got burned. So this time, I'm going to go on the other end. If we were under 14 in that area, half 13, I may think differently. I really think it could be a 14-point win. I think that Ole Miss got lucky. I think that Ole Miss got lucky that they made this a 3:30 p.m. kickoff. I think if this is played under the lights, prime time, Alabama wins this game by 25 plus. Um, I'm going to go with Ole Miss as well, and it's no knock on the Alabama defense. It's just a, a, a highlight of how well Matt Corral and the Ole Miss team's playing. Matt Corral has not turned the ball over yet this season. Where Alabama really feasts against teams is turning the ball over. If Lane Kiffin can orchestrate an offense and keep them competitive, I think that they have a chance to cover the spread here. And let's be honest, outside of last season, Alabama didn't cover the last two spreads they played against Ole Miss. Last, last year, they covered the spread barely. Tie game at halftime and then blew them out in the second half. I think that it's going to be a fun show because this could ultimately decide who wins the Heisman. Matt Corral's a slight favorite yet. However, Bryce Young has better numbers. Matt Corral this year, 997 throwing yards, nine touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns. But Bryce Young has more total touchdowns and more throwing yards, but did have that one pick last game. I am excited to see how this Ole Miss team does against the run because that is their vulnerability on defense. Everyone says the defense has improved, but they have not improved against the run. If Alabama is able to dig their heels in with that now three-headed attack at running back, because I'm, I'm fully, I'm imagining that that Trey Sanders has to be healthy at this point. You've held him out uh, for multiple halves in, in back-to-back weeks. Uh, we got Brian Robinson, and then we got Chase McClellan, who won SEC player of the uh, offensive player of the week when they played against Florida. I think that if they can stop the run, then they have no problem covering. I'm afraid of a late Alabama cover, but 14 and a half points is a lot. I, I'm not one of those guys who says Ole Miss goes down and beats Alabama, but I, I do see this being a touchdown game. And, and for that reason, I have to take the points with Ole Miss. Yeah, and you do have to consider the end of the game, uh, no doubt, because if, if Bama covers, it will be at the very end because Ole Miss will stay within 14 points throughout this entire game. So it really just yeah. depends on what happens in that fourth quarter. We know that Ole Miss has the ability to put points on the board. When you're averaging over 50 points per game, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you know what you're trying to do on offense. And we knew that this Ole Miss offense was going to be really good. Yeah. So they're, they're showing us exactly what we thought they were going to have. But now you got a game where you're coming on the road. And as you said, maybe they did luck out with this 3.30 start. Because if it's an 8 o'clock game, you might be talking about a different story. But hey, we're both on Ole Miss plus 14.5. Hopefully that cashes out for us. All right. Let's get into a game that was very difficult. One of the most difficult games that I have had to pick in a long time. We got (laughs) Cincinnati, our friends from Cincinnati. Two and a half point favorites at Notre Dame for a 2.30 start. What are we thinking here? Miles, I went back and forth, and then I had to put this in perspective. Cincinnati, unfortunately for Cincinnati, Notre Dame played Wisconsin last week. If Notre Dame does not play Wisconsin last week, but the next week and they play Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati wins and covers this game. 
I think Wisconsin's a better defense, not a better offense. But I think Notre Dame is ready for that. If you could see how they adjusted when they got punched in the mouth plenty of times, I'm going to go ahead and take Notre Dame to win and cover here. I'll be placing half unit on the plus two and a half and a half unit on Moneyline. This Notre Dame team is 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven games as home underdogs. Last 20 games, they've only lost two games. You know what else I really like? The 26-game home winning streak. That matters. That really matters. And, you know, Cincinnati looks good picking off uh, Penix when they played Indiana. But this is a Penix who, who has not adjusted from coming back from injury and has not played well. Desmond Ritter against that Indiana defense did not play well. Statistically, I'm speaking, they were down in the game early. I think that Notre Dame boasts a better defense. And all I could do is compare these, and Notre Dame has that home edge. Jack Cohen looks like he's, he's slated to go. They're going to have to get more production out of their running backs, though, because we have Kyron Williams and Tyree both averaging for less than 2.6 yards per attempt. I mean, 3.6 yards per attempt. It's pretty gross. But I just think the home field advantage is going to going to loom large here. I wrote this in my article about Notre Dame last week is, you know, despite the, the, the injuries on the offensive line, despite the injuries at wide receiver, despite the injuries on defense, they're deep. They proved how deep they were. They, at one point, they were playing a third-string left tackle. He got bullied a little bit. But, I mean, when you could play a third-string left tackle and still come out there alive with your quarterback in one piece, he almost didn't make it, but he did. That says a lot about your depth. And they have serious playoff aspirations, as does Cincinnati, but I think they just come up a little bit short. Yeah, yeah. we landed in the in same, same spot, spot here. Wow. Uh, Notre Dame has won 26 games in a row at home. Ladies yes. and gentlemen. That matters so much because Brian Kelly knows how to win regular season football. It's what they do week in and week out. It's why they always find themselves in the playoff getting absolutely destroyed. But he wins games in the regular season, especially at home, 26 in a row. And we know that Notre Dame, their schedule is no joke year in and year out. These are quality opponents that they're beating at home. Notre Dame opened as a one and a half point favorite. The line is all the way over to Cincinnati minus two and a half. I will gladly... Yes. Take Notre Dame plus two and a half here. We cashed out on Notre Dame last week. Yep. We knew that the spread was wrong, and it was. I think this one may be a little bit of a mismatch here. We got to think about the talent differential, too. Yes, There's absolutely. Somebody said for that. Cincinnati is still a group of five program. They're still a group of five team. And here's the thing. You mentioned it. Desmond Ritter is not playing good football right now. This is a guy that I thought was going to be the X factor for this team. Maybe – the guy that was going to have them roll through their schedule because I knew the defense was going to be good. But Ritter has not been impressive. And Notre Dame is winning despite the poor play of their quarterback, despite yes. the poor play of their offensive line, despite their inability to get things going on the ground. And they're winning with special teams and defense. And really, when you think about it, Notre Dame under Brian Kelly has never really won with their, you know, with their offense. No. You go back to that Clemson game uh, last year, you know, that was a offensive shootout. But Notre Dame wins these types of football games playing disciplined at home, not making mistakes, and controlling the ball with, again, defense and special teams. I mean, that's that's what happened last week. And also, just for anybody who didn't watch the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game, don't be fooled by how many points they put on the board because it was yeah. not the offense. No, it was all special teams and defense. So that's something to keep in mind. But when you've got – when you're giving me Notre Dame, they've won 26 in a row at home, and you're giving me plus two and a half? I'm taking the Fighting Irish. I think Notre Dame wins and, and covers. Awesome. 100%. What do we have next in this? I, I'm so excited about this game here. Go ahead and lay it on us. 
Texas at TCU for a noon kickoff. Texas minus five. And Texas, and I'll, I'll go ahead and let you start with this one, but coming off their 70-point performance against Texas Tech last week. What's running through your mind for this game, Brad? Miles, last time I said this, I was absolutely wrong, but this is my favorite betting angle on the season. Um, people talk about letdown spots, and they talk about – they try to pull these trends where it's like after a 30-point victory – after a 20-plus point victory at home, they go on the road, they are oh and whatever. Those trends are, are just trends to kind of get people hyped up. I'm backing the Longhorns here. I think they found something special at Casey Thompson. He was efficient. Only eight, only, only five incompletions last game, threw for five touchdowns. Texas does struggle against TCU. However, me and you both can agree that this is not the TCU defense that we are used to seeing. They allowed California to score 32 points. They allowed SMU and Mordecai to score 42 points. They did pick they did pick them off three times, but they allowed a lot of points on the board, and that is not your typical TCU team. When they play an elite offense of offensive mind like Sarkeesian, they're going to be in trouble. I really like the minus five here, regardless regardless on the road and. I'm throwing all the trends and stats out, out of the books here because me and you alluded to this earlier. They have a better coach at the helm. Did you see what happened when they realized that uh, – what's his name? Carter or Hurd? I, I'm blanking on his name. But when they realized he wasn't the guy, they, they, they adapted. Yeah, Herman could never. And that's why I really like this spread here because I think this is, is, this is going to be a blowout. It's going to be a very, very big win for Texas because when you, when you have a guy like Sarkeesian – you saw him last year when Alabama blew teams out. It wasn't fluky. It was blow them out. Oh, the offense is hot again. Oh, we're going to build off that. You remember what you saw in the film room last game? I'm really excited about that. Max Duggan's been playing well. Like It's not a knock on the offense. It's a knock on TCU's defense. Where are you looking? Yeah, it's definitely a TCU defensive old. And we've seen this story before with these, you know, uh, road favorites in the Big 12 coming off a big win. We've been here before. Yeah. But – I, you got to take Texas here. You can't honestly take a bet on TCU right now the way that the, the way that they're playing. You have to go based on the performances. And it's as you said, you can go based on trends, but sometimes the performances are speaking for themselves. Yes. You mentioned SMU, 42 points. They ran for 352 yards on this TCU defense last week. Casey Thompson for Texas, 303 yards, five touchdowns. 70 points. They put up 58 on Rice. What I'm seeing out of Sarkeesian right now is just what you said. Texas should be very excited about where their hire is right now. Because after that tough loss to a better than we thought Arkansas team, yes. right? Much better than we thought now. He made the adjustments. And he's continuing to do that. And I think that this Texas offense is going to have that X, you know, that that X factor that, that we've been looking for. We yep. saw it last week. Just complete domination, complete domination in a Big 12 game against Texas Tech, putting up 70. In TCU, they don't have that that defense that makes Gary Patterson in TCU football competitive. Yeah. They don't have it this year. No, so now you're going to have to keep up with a Texas offense that is humming along. And you just gave, you also just gave up 342 yards on the ground or 352 yards on the ground. You got to go Texas here. You got to go Texas, and and you're making me smile so much because Bijan Robinson is going to oh he's going to tear it up, destroy future he might highs. Over 200 yards. God, it's going to be yeah. gross. Well, guys, I'm going to invite you guys to follow both 
me and Miles on Twitter. You can find Miles at Miles on Sports. You can find me at Mr. Brad Thomas. And then if you want to follow the podcast, it's at What's the Spread underscore. On there, we give our picks, our articles, our analysis, and we're also always there to answer any questions that you might have. We're going to go ahead and dive into the NFL right now, Miles. Uh, we're going to start off with a game that everyone in New England and probably half the people in Tampa are super excited about. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are traveling to New England to take on Mac Jones and the Patriots. The Bucs are a seven-point favorite, and I want you to start off because I want to see where you're sitting at. Well, and this is pretty typical from what I've seen in the NFL, but especially this year, these teams are having trouble covering big spreads. And I consider seven a very big spread for the NFL. You uh, mentioned week in and week out, and it's – you know, there's something to be said for this is that the average margin of victory in the NFL is, is so small. It's it's somewhere between three and four points, right? So these hard spreads are difficult to decide which way you want to go. But we just finished talking about watching, you know, Texas and TCU and what they're showing you. I think that the seven points is a little bit of an overreaction to the Buccaneers getting, you could you could say, getting their do- uh, doors blown off by an L.A. Rams team that might be the Super Bowl favorite now. Yeah. But the Buccaneers were on the road in that game. They're on the road again in this game. But the Patriots haven't shown me anything on either side of the ball to make me think that, that they can keep this within seven points on Sunday night football. And we, you want to talk about motivation. Tom Brady's coming in. We know that story, right? Yeah. He's back in New England. But Tom Brady is a motivation guy. Yeah. And I'll tell you, he's pissed about what happened last week and the way that his football team looked. Because the L.A. Rams outclassed them on offense, which we thought was the Buccaneers' strength. Now, the Buccaneers' defense isn't playing very well. That's something that I'll put out there. It's something that a lot of people are saying. But the Patriots right now are not the Patriots team that we thought we were going to see. Mac Jones has a lot of growing up to do. And I think Brady's going to sling it all over the field. I'm taking the Bucs here, minus seven. I'm taking Brady to bounce back. I'm glad you're taking the Bucs here. Uh, so I'll be clear and I'll be obvious. The number one money Market team right now is the Tampa Bay Bucks sitting at 98%. It has a chance to close at the highest percentage wow. handle in NFL history. The line hasn't budged much. It's gone bounce around from seven, seven and a half to six, six yeah. and a half. Oh, there's a lot of misconceptions about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Oh, talk to so me. So I started to follow a couple different trends um, to kind of really narrow down defensive efficiency. It, it seems the Buccaneers defense is god awful. Right. But they're also going against, they've also went against the what number three most efficient offense and a top five offensive efficient team in the Dallas Cowboys, which if you factor those in, you factor yards per play and yards per attempt, it has them ranked as the fourth best defense in the NFL, regardless of the big numbers they let the Cowboys, the Falcons, and the Rams put up. Injuries on the defensive end are probably going to be the scariest thing. I'm really going to need JPP to go ahead and, and, and play uh, because without JPP, you're, they can go ahead and they can double team Shaq Barrett. And you saw that was happening a lot for the New England Patriots. They are bottom half in NFL and NFL and defensive efficiency. If you watch the last game, you couldn't really blame a lot of that on Mac Jones. Wide receivers dropping passes. They, they, they just don't look sharp, but I think, like you said, this is going to be a 100% narrative game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a big bounce back spot for the Buccaneers. And I'm going to go ahead and lay the seven points. It might sound gross, 
but I'm going to lay it here. And I'm also going to lay it in a teaser because I, I have no other choice but to lay these points. Why? The Bucks aren't losing to, to the rookie Mac Jones. If we looked league wide, the rookies have won one game. If we look league wide, the rookies have covered one game. This is collectively. And both of those were the Patriots when they played who they played. Uh, what? I can't even remember. It was an awful team. And until Josh McDaniels can open up the playbook and really let Mac Jones shine, I think that offense is going to be limited. This is going to be a game where you see that defensive line really take a stronghold and they get pressure. I mean, it's not like they're going to have to play McVay every week. It's not like they have to play Dak Prescott every week in, in that 8 million wide receivers in Dallas. This is, this is a situation – Jacoby Myers is the only – the only wide receiver in NFL history who had over 54 catches and zero touchdown receptions. You know how many receptions he's had? Over 100. They're not getting him the ball where they need to be, and I, I'm, I'm not afraid of this. I, I, I'm afraid of, of, of the public because Vegas doesn't lose to the public, but I think this is one of those situations where it's correct. It kind of reminds me of that spread with Michigan State versus Miami where it, was, it closed at 95% of the money on Michigan State, and yeah. they were absolutely right. I think that I think that the public has this right, and, and Vegas just can't overcorrect because they're going to miss out. It's one of those things where they just have to kind of monitor it and change the money line value. Yeah, and it's something where the public does win sometimes, yeah. right? That, that's why we love to bet. And that Michigan State-Miami game is a great example that you brought up. So even though all this money is going on the Buccaneers, you got to side with the public here because if you're taking the Patriots, then you're just looking for the fade, just a straight yeah. fade with, with nothing in front of you. Um, I think that the, I think the Buccaneers win this game by nine, 10 points at yeah. least. All right, moving on. We got another good one here in what is shaping up the NFC West to be possibly the most exciting division race that we've ever seen. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are five and a half point favorites. I'm going to let you start with this one. This was an interesting game for me going back and forth on this here. I end up ultimately uh, taking the Los Angeles Rams. I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I missed out on that, what, three and a half. But a lot of the public is on the Cardinals, surprisingly, but the money is on the Rams. And reason being, the Cardinals makes total sense with Cliff Kingsbury able to kind of move the pocket around and target different things. But this Rams defense is elite, man. I will go ahead and just name some names and listen to these big names. Ashawn Robinson on the end. You have Aaron Donald in the middle. You have Leonard Floyd playing good football again. You have Justin Hollins playing great football. And did you see, if anybody watched that Bucks game and they watched Kenny Young, Kenny Young was suspended the game before that for bumping into an official. He looked fired up. Jalen Ramsey. I think Jalen Ramsey is going to be able to take away Nuke Hopkins a lot more than we believe. Heck, even Taylor Rapp was playing good in the free safety position. I think that this Rams team is legit, and, and, and I think they're so legit that if they wanted to run the table, the only thing stopping them is self-discipline, not skill level at any single position. Look at Whitworth. Whitworth, this man's what? He's 45 years old. It feels like he's older than Brady playing offensive line. Like They just have so many good pieces to where we saw it last year, man, and we said this. They were a quarterback away. Who's stopping yeah. Matthew Stafford? If you guys want to get money on Matthew Stafford to win the MVP, I think the time's now. And, you know, it's funny that you say that, but I feel like we've been talking about this Rams team with Jared Goff for years and yeah. saying that they're a quarterback away. And this Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay relationship, this, this match made in heaven, is panning out. Stafford's coming in here on the season with nine touchdowns and only one interception. 
I'm also backing the favorite here. I'm going to take the Rams minus five and a half. The Cardinals, as you mentioned, public money on them. Kyler Murray is a popular guy right now. Yeah. All right. He's he's one of the stars of the league. This podcast supports Kyler Murray and what he does. He's 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 very talented. But here's the thing. Kyler Murray's been struggling against the Rams. His career touchdown to interception ratio against the Rams. He's got five touchdowns, four interceptions, and the Rams in their last eight games versus the Cardinals, 7-0-1 against the spread. You take that to the bank until it stops working. (laughs) And we are talking about a divisional matchup, Brad. 7-0-1 against the spread in their last eight. You got to keep riding the Rams here because not only are they coming in with those trends, but they're coming in as possibly the, you know, at this point, safe to say the Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. After their performance against the Buccaneers last weekend. And again, they were a quarterback away. You mentioned the stars on the defense. It's sick. It's gross. And, then, and now you've got the quarterback in, in Sean McVay's system who knows how to run the system. I mean, that, that Buccaneers Rams game was one of the most important NFL games that I've seen in the last couple of years to show me where we're at right now. Because you are talking about the defending Super Bowl champions that we were talking about could go undefeated. Yeah. And the Rams say, uh-uh. I mean, no, just, I, I, it, was, it was a complete performance, Brad. It was very interesting to watch and very unfair being a Bucks fan having to watch it because at no sure. point did I think we had a chance to win the game. All right, so we are taking the favorite there as well. Let's go ahead and move on to the Carolina Panthers at the Dallas Cowboys. Boy, did we cash on the Dallas Cowboys last weekend. Yes, we did. I love it when we back the boys and they bring it home. Uh, Also, cash the over in that game as well, uh, I believe. It uh, ended up being a high-scoring affair. Anyway, Cowboys are coming in here at home again. Four-point favorites. Uh, The undefeated Carolina Panthers? The undefeated. You heard that. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, With no Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and they're they're still humming right along. Here's the thing. I'm taking the Cowboys again, back to back. And it scares me. It does, because it's the Cowboys. We got an E last weekend. That never happens with Dallas. It's always close. It's always a sweat. And it's probably the only time it's ever going to happen. But the way that the Cowboys offense is playing, and it's why Dak Prescott was my MVP hit. And this was why. The balance that they have on the offensive side of the ball right now is brilliant and what they're doing is they're seeing the 17 game season and they are mixing in now tony pollard in the backfield it's keeping pollard and zeke fresh a lot of people aren't talking about the way they're using their tight ends right now because not only are do you have these explosive receivers but it's opening up uh schultz and jarwin and they're they're just they're using everybody on the field you don't know who to cover and dak is in top form yeah. He's completing in his last two games, 83% completion percentage. Now, I will say one caveat to my pick. Carolina in their last eight road games, they're eight no against the spread. Yeah. They know how to cover. So I'm not going to be mad if anybody wants to fade the Cowboys here and take Carolina plus four. But the way that the Cowboys are operating on offense, and not to mention now the Eagles offense, I don't think is anything to uh look at right now. But the Cowboys are playing really well on the defensive side of the ball as well. Again, how about another what's the spread call? Micah Parsons. Woo. I mean, you, you gotta think, you gotta look to him for defensive rookie of the year. My man wow. is all over the field. You want to know why Penn State struggled so much last year in the COVID season? It's because they didn't have this man right here yep. leading the defense. 
Exactly. That's because he opted out. And that's exactly what we said. This draft pick for Dallas is is they already had the offense, right? And they needed cornerbacks. They needed secondary. But when you've got a man like Micah Parsons who can line up a linebacker or an edge rusher and be all over the field and create that much havoc, and, 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 I, and I'm, you know, now I'm just talking about the Cowboys on a meta level because I'm really excited from what I'm seeing from them right now. So, again, if you want to go ahead and back Carolina here, 8-0 against the spread in their last eight on the road, I get it, but I'm going with the boys. Um, listen, Panthers are so good. They're so, so good now, and they haven't played anybody. And I really like the I really like the Cowboys here. Panthers, I just gotta give them a shout out though. Panthers yeah. are number one in the NFL in net yards per play. However, no Christian McCaffrey, and this is the first good team that they're playing all season. You pretty much took everything out of my mouth. The versatility of this offense. This is a team that can line up. Listen to the, one of the formations that Kellen Moore did. He had two, he had two tight ends, double tight ends, two running backs, Pollard and Zeke, and wide receiver on the field. He ran the two wide to two tight ends out, the wide receiver out, and did some a uh, fake a uh, fake counter to the uh, to the to the back, the single back. You don't know who's getting the ball, and you know what's crazy during when he ran this play in this formation. You know I love offensive play calling. When he ran this formation, this play, me myself, I was like just sitting there and I was like, "Holy crap! I have no idea where they're going, and I don't even know if I know if I can remember who got the ball." It's because. They just know how to exploit every piece. I thought they would lose a step with Michael Gallup. No, I didn't even. I, at one point during the Eagles game, I didn't even realize he wasn't playing. I was like, right. I forgot Michael Gallup's not playing. Versatile, versatile, versatile team. What's really great is the defense is finally stepping up, and they're having fun. Trayvon Diggs looked really good, and yeah. people they were quick to write him off last year, but they forget yep. that this guy in, in in college who transitioned from a wide receiver to a DB, he's still growing. The sky's the limit for this Dallas team, and I'm going to go ahead and back the Cowboys minus four. And what you want in your uh, first-round draft picks is improvement, and that's yes. what we're seeing from, from these guys in the secondary right now is we are seeing improvements. Uh, yeah. So whatever they're doing and whatever changes they, they made in the offseason, it's working. But again, Micah Parsons has been the X factor for that defense, and I cannot wait to see what he continues to do. But I like that you brought up that that package, right? Because the two tight ends, the, the two running backs, you know, one receiver. They're using everybody, and they're using everybody effectively. And their tight ends can catch the ball, and they can yeah. run routes. Yep. Um, so Dak just – he's got so many options, and he knows exactly what he's going to do before the ball is snapped. Totally. He agree. looks comfortable right now. He, he's only ran the ball, what, I think two times all season? And that, that shows you a lot on where he's at and how comfortable he is in the offense right now. Yeah. All right, man, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, this is another NFC West. This this division is – or I'm sorry, this is AFC West, which yes. is another really great division. Yes. Um, Chargers are coming in here as three-and-a-half-point favorites. I will go ahead and uh, start here. This is going to be the one favorite I'm not taking. I'm going to go ahead and back the Raiders here, plus three-and-a-half. Uh, the Chargers are coming off that huge, you know, you could say program-defining win, right? I mean, it's what the Ravens did uh, against the Chiefs. Big win for Herbert, big win for the Chargers. But here's the thing. I got I I want to take a dog. All right. So this is the one that I felt the most comfortable taking, especially in a game where the Chargers minus three and a half might be in overreaction from their big win against the Chiefs. And honestly, at this point, I don't know what we have in the Chiefs anymore, sitting at one and two. Derek Carr is leading the NFL in passing, by the way, which uh is because of the way that they're having to come from behind. I get that. Uh, there's a lot of problems too on that side of the ball. They needed a lot of luck. They needed a lot of overtime to get their wins. 
But again, man, this this is where the parody is coming into play, and this is where I'm going to take the dog. I'm going to take the Raiders. I'm on the Raiders as well. I've been on the Raiders all season, and you said it. I, I think this is a big letdown spot for the Chargers. Yeah. Let's not forget the Chargers carved up a very bad, very, very bad Kansas City defense. They, they, right. they had over 400 yards. But listen, the Chargers have to weather the storm twice. So now they have to weather the storm against a, a great offense in Kansas City. Well, guess who the number one passing attack in the NFL? The Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say this again, because every time I'm back in the Raiders, John Gruden is getting the most out of Derek Carr, the, the most that he could possibly get, humanly possible, because he's playing great. And you know what they did? They did this while Byron Murphy was shutting down um, Darren Waller the entire game. Darren Waller had the worst output he's had since his major breakout. And they still found a way to win on the road, nonetheless. One thing that the, um, the, the, the Chargers haven't had to face is an elite pass rush. And this is going to be their first true test of a really good pass rush. I think that they get home a little bit. Uh, Slater hasn't a, allowed a single sack since he's been at, what, Northwestern? It's happening this weekend. I think they're getting home. And I think this is going to be a big, big letdown spot for the Chargers and Charger Nation. It makes me so happy that we had four NFL games. We agreed on our three favorites, and and we'd agreed on our dog. We didn't talk about any of these games beforehand, but how about on our 150th episode, we agree on seven out of eight games. Let's wow. win some money. That's what we're here to do. The biggest surprise, I think, about the entire episode was you backing Notre Dame with me. I yes. was like, when, I, when you said that, I was like, oh, okay. I'm telling you, man, I think since he's going to be a popular pick, but again, I, so. I feel really good about the two and a half points of Notre Dame. I hope it even gets up to three. But Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this segment. Up next, we have a special guest coming on for our new favorite segment called The Goal Line. All right. Welcome to The Goal Line, where we end the show by bringing in our favorite handicappers from the Twitterverse to give us their best bets of the week. Today, we have the lead betting analyst for PicksWise, Jared Smith. Be sure to follow him at Jared Lee Smith. My man, welcome to the show. Thank you, gentlemen. Excited to be here. We are so excited to have you on. You know, we've been following each other for a few years now, and yeah. I, I love your content. You're you're freaking one of a kind, and you're Thank super you. sharp mind. So the second you said you were down to to join us, I wanted to you know kind of hear hear your thought process on the game. So we'll go ahead and kick it off. If you want to go ahead and give your first bit of action of the day. Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll start at the top of my card and I'll work my way down. So these lines definitely, um, as you know, they do move throughout the week. So do your shopping, uh, do your homework, try to find the best line possible. Um, you guys are probably going to think I'm crazy. I, I went back and forth as my what my best NFL bit of the week. Um, I, I think I like the Jets a lot. Uh, I, once this line moved through that key number of seven, you know, it opened six last week. And, and now, you know, you, you saw eight earlier in the week. Now I think it's kind of settled in at seven. I think it'll close right around seven, but everyone's bailing on the Jets. Obviously, I'm a big Jets fan, full disclosure, so there is a little bit of, you know, maybe a little seed of bias with this pick. But when you look at it objectively, the Jets have faced three of the toughest defenses in the league their first three weeks, and now they're not facing a tough defense this week, and they're back at home coming off of their worst performance in a really long time, even into the Adam Gase era. And I think the Titans are a little vulnerable here to stretch the field because of the injuries that they have at wide receiver. We know about A.J. Brown. Julio Jones had a weird situation happen Sunday. They didn't really announce why he only played 34 snaps, and then after the game he was fine, and then all of a sudden he wasn't practicing this week. I, I would be shocked if, if, if both of them played this week. We know Brown's probably out. And on the Jets' side, again, it's not necessarily about winning this game. It's just the number. And when the number moves through seven like it did, 
and you, they're continuing. You know, the market is just totally bailing on this Jets team. Those are the sides that you have to be willing to look at in the NFL because the line value, these are razor-thin margins between these teams. And if you're going to give me a couple of extra points of value through that key number of seven, I'm going to take it with the Jets. No, I, I totally respect that play. Um, for anybody who on the, who's listening to the podcast, they know how much I believe in defensive efficiency and use that kind of as a catalyst to my selections. Um, I, I take about three different rating scales and I average them out. And I had the the the, the Titans on bottom third on the average, but one rating scale, the Dover rating scale, had them third to last on defensive efficiency. And if there's any team that you're going to want to turn around the seven interception performances you've had, it's going to be the Titans because they've proved it. And I, I like that too. I like, the, I like the look there. I'm just teasing the Titans. So I don't have to worry too much about it. Um, but I totally the needle. Titans win by three, right? Yeah, we both win. <laughs> Go ahead and lay your next one on us. Yeah, sure. So this is, I would say, um, 1A, 1B with my top plays of the week. I do like the Jets a lot, um, but I, I like the Ravens a lot, too. I think this is a really good spot for Baltimore. The market is kind of turning on them a little bit. I know they had a big win against the Chiefs, and in the obvious letdown spot the following week against the Lions, they should have lost that game. Um, maybe the 4th and 20 was a little fluky, um, but there were some things that happened late in the game. Obviously, the field goal um, that went off the upright or off the post and 66 yards. I mean, those things don't happen in NFL games ever. Um, so to win a game that way, I think the market's going to be down uh, on the Ravens this week. And, and it is because uh, we talked to some bookmakers this week. And this summer, the, the line that first came out like way back in the summer for this game was Ravens minus three and a half. And, and again, I know Denver's looked really good. Defensively, they've looked fantastic. Teddy Bridgewater is a darling against the spread. But every week, it's another injury for this Broncos team. And last week was K.J. Hamler. So now it's Hamler and Jerry Judy out. And the weakness to this Baltimore defense is Marcus Peters being out in the secondary. But can Denver take advantage of that weakness? I, I don't think so. And now the, the Ravens I'm hearing this week getting back Houston and a couple of other defensive linemen. So you're not going to be able to run the ball in this Baltimore team. We already knew that. But now you're kind of limited with your passing game, and you can't exploit the one weakness that the Ravens have in the secondary. I think Lamar Jackson will probably struggle at times, as he has you know, throughout the course of the season and his career. But I feel like the line value here, again, pushing it through zero. I'm getting a point with the Ravens when this line should have been probably Baltimore minus three. Uh, to me, it's all about finding those little value spots in the NFL. And if Denver can't win this game, I know they're 3-0, and and I know they've looked great. But if they can't win this game, I can't take them seriously as a legit contender in the AFC West. No, I, I like that. Miles, do you have anything for this game? I mean, I'm the same way in the NFL, right? We were talking about it just in our in our episode today that you have to pay attention to these line movements. This is yeah. huge. I mean, you go from a minus three favorite to now we're in the middle of the season, plus one and a half, you take the value there. 100%. Cool. Go ahead and lay your next one on us. Yeah, this. I'll be honest. I I I know, Brad. You're really into the defensive metrics. I'm curious what they're saying on Carolina because what I'm looking at is a top five team um, on defense, at least, maybe even a top three team. And if you're gonna say to me that the Philadelphia Eagles were only getting three in Dallas, and the Panthers are getting five, Carolina is better than Philly, right? Their defense yeah. is definitely better than Philly. Yeah. So uh, to me, that's one of those again, kind of a line analysis, kind of compare and contrast two teams and how they match up with the Cowboys. Don't get me wrong. Dak Prescott's been tremendous. I love the energy and poise, him coming back. And we had a lot of questions about this Dallas team heading into the year. And I think the move higher in the power ratings 
is reflective in this line this week because I think if this game was played three weeks ago, I think the Panthers are probably only getting a field goal. But again, Carolina's good. Their schedule's been soft-ish. You know, the Jets week one, eh. Texans, that's a tough game on the road going Thursday night, and they were without McCaffrey for most of it, and they still covered the spread. They look great against New Orleans. I know that was a weird game for the Saints, but they looked really good against the New Orleans defense that is really, really talented. And now I'm getting five, and I know it's moved to four, four and a half, but I'm still getting a really good number on this Panthers team, and I think they're deep. So I'm catching points with the better defense in a short week spot for Dallas coming off a divisional game. Too much value to pass up. No, five is a brilliant number. I think this one lands on one of those key numbers at three, um, which terrifies me <laughs> to, to back the Cowboys. Um, for Defensively, the Panthers are, are stout. Every metric you look at is going to have them as a stout team. One of them is the yards per play let up is a very high, a very low metric uh, for them, which you got to imagine they haven't played the kind of the big home run getters, but I mean, you have a team in the Texans who still have Brandon Cook, who's still averaging pretty a pretty high number in, in air yards. So it'll be interesting to see what the Panthers bring. This is their first true test. But anytime you want to, you know, attack a team off a short week, I'm all for it, especially when you're getting five points. Yeah, long week too for Carolina because they're yeah. resting um, after the Thursday night game. I, I got asked a lot of questions about McCaffrey and, and where I see that injury playing out. Obviously, it matters. Yeah. Um, the Panthers are a better. I mean, you know, I know running backs are a dime a dozen, but maybe Christian's worth two dimes. You know, I mean, I, I think he's a little bit better than your average replacement running back. So I do think that it's going to be Sam Darnold's game to win. Um, but that's maybe not the worst thing in the world because I, I can see Carolina sometimes getting a little too reliant uh, yeah. on McCaffrey. And they've got two dynamite weapons on the outside. The one thing I will say, the Dan Arnold trade, I know they made the trade for C.J. Henderson this week. Giving up Dan Arnold is – Obviously, for kick, you know, for kicks purposes, the Darnold to Dan Arnold connection was very fun to say. Um, but I do think that matters a little bit too. So now you're down two of your top weapons. You know, I would put McCaffrey and Arnold, two of the top, let's say, five offensive weapons that the Panthers have, pass catching and out of the backfield. So yeah, that that makes it a little bit more of a lesser play for me. That's probably why it's not one of my top plays of the week. Um, but I, I still think Carolina catching more than a field goal uh, is the only way to play it. I agree. I, I think an interesting matchup in this game that I'm going to be all eyes for is Trayvon Diggs and DJ Moore. Oh, um, it's two emerging – you can even say two emerging superstars, two guys who you know just needed that little bit of nudge of publicity to kind of get them into yeah. the limelight. Diggs got it last week, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and, and uh, was that his third interception of the season so far, and everyone knows the the target share and that DJ Moore is getting. So I'm excited to see. I wonder if they're going to trail him. I think I think they have to. Um, so we'll see what kind of happens. Mm. Game within the game. Um, Cardinals plus five here, and I'll be honest. Of all the the spreads this week, this is definitely fourth out of the four. Um, and the reason is is because the Rams just have that ability to wreck the game with with how good their offenses look. Um, and I'm, I'm the defensive numbers on Arizona have been surprisingly good and Mm -hmm. the defensive numbers on the Rams have been maybe surprisingly bad. And I think that's what pushed me across the finish line here to play Arizona getting five, because I want to say Murray and Stafford are probably a wash. I mean, maybe passing Stafford running Murray. So I would say it's a wash. I I would say play calling is a wash. Um, I know Kingsbury's made some questionable decisions, maybe the field goal that Eddie kicked against Jacksonville, uh, but they have been dynamic on offense. 
And I, I, I feel the same way about the Rams. So it's kind of an even game here, I would say. And it's a divisional game. And Kyler Murray is an MVP favorite catching over a field goal in a divisional game. That kind of pushed me towards Arizona. And then once I saw the, the gap in defensive metrics and how high Arizona was compared to how I thought the Rams would be higher, but they're not. Um, and if you look at some of the rushing numbers for the Rams, they got, they've gotten gashed in a couple games this year. The, the Bears really went to town yeah. on them uh, in week one. So that's surprising for me because I think if Arizona can control the tempo and use Kyler Murray in what we've seen, which is any way that they want, and the Rams struggle to slow that down, I, I think Arizona's a live dog in this spot. But I, again, the Rams' prowess and just how talented they are scares me that Arizona might be a little bit inconsistent with the numbers being a small sample size. But I got to take the value where I see it. And I think Arizona certainly a live dog here. This was absolutely the most challenging game that I handicapped on the board. I went back and forth, and and I could I think that you can honestly make an argument for both sides. And sure. so. When I was looking at it, I, I was just, you know, going off the big win. If I were to take Arizona, I, I think that, you know, Arizona has a more complete D line as we stand right now than Tampa Bay did. So they might they might pose a little bit more problems than than the Bucks without JPP or without Shaq Barrett getting home. So it's going to be a game that I'm going to be interested in watching. I touted this one as the two MVP front runners, in my opinion, battling each other. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't give a ton of totals. I've only played, it's only the fourth total I've played all season. Um, but I do, I like this spot. So we talk about key numbers a lot in spreads. We don't talk about key numbers in totals, but I, I've been doing deep dives into where games land on key totals. And I looked at a 20 year sample size and 51 was the second or the third most landed on. Then when I looked at shortened it to 10 years, 51 was the highest. So what that tells me is over the last 10 years, more higher totals. It's been in the 40s for the most part, 44, um, I think 40, 41, somewhere in that range has been the most. But now when you shorten the sample size to the last 10 years, 51 is becoming more prevalent. So anytime I see a total open at 50 and a half and then bang, right through 51 to 51 and a half, now I'm seeing 52, that's the equivalent of a spread going from minus two and a half to minus four. Yeah. And when that happens in the NFL, you're like, all right, what's going on? Something's Something weird just happened. Maybe a quarterback got hurt or something. So that's what's happened in this game. And, again, now we look at the matchups. So the line, out, the line analysis says over. Now let's look at the matchups. The Vikings are – I mean, their defense is dreadful. Giving up almost seven yards per play against the Browns offense that – I mean, you saw their game against the Chiefs. Yeah. They can move it. And, you know, they've been – I would say they've been fortunate the last two weeks facing the, uh, the Bears and the Texans. But their passing grades have been really poor in those games. And that scares me a little bit because if you're not stopping the Bears and the Texans, according to the analytics, um, how are you going to do against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen? Uh, who I would say, other than that Chiefs game week one, are the two best playmakers uh, the Browns secondary has faced. That game was 33-29 week one. I can see this game playing out uh, in a similar fashion. Indoor overs nine and six this season, very early sample size, but that's another trend to keep an eye on. And again, I just cross conference game, not a divisional spot. I, I just I feel like this is going to be one of those you know slugfests. You know, each team throws some haymakers early. Baker goes deep to Odell. Jefferson answers, and it just kind of you know evolves into a track meet. Now I, I, I like that. I like that spot there. I didn't look too much at the total here prior to you let me know. But one thing that I've I've dug into is Kirk Cousins. Man, so in the start of the season, I was kind of. 
I, I misled myself on how this Vikings team would play offensively. And wow, he is attempting a lot more passes than I thought. And yeah. I thought they were going to be a total run centric team, which is, which is not, they've been airing the ball out and man, the, the Thielen and Jefferson connection, it, it's, it's good. They, they have a good passing attack. So we'll see if the Browns can do anything. They didn't do anything against uh, Mahomes and company. So We'll see what happens when they when they play the Vikings. I you know I was when I was looking at the ratings too. Kirk Cousins is the top five passer rating in the league. Yeah, that's um, so. I, I again, it's early. It's week three. I'm not gonna you know quote these numbers as gospel, but we got to go with what we see. Yeah. And what I'm seeing right now is the Vikings don't play a whole lot of defense, and they're throwing it, and they're very efficient with really good weapons on the outside. And the Browns do the same thing. And, and, and again, they're facing a Vikings defense that struggled. So I just have to kind of roll with uh, where the trends. And again, the line analysis, 51, circle that number. When you see totals kind of magnet towards 51 and they push through and they go over it, that is where I would pay attention to an over. Awesome. All right, I see that you have a teaser lined up for me. I like to do one teaser a week. Maybe I might do two looking at yours. I, I, you know, teasers are, I, I, I get asked this question a lot because I, I can't stand them in any other sport. And yeah. I, I think they're yeah. totally worth, I, I think we had a conversation with this on Twitter yep. recently um, about why teasers matter more in college or matter more in the NFL than do in college and why I wouldn't pay them, play them in NBA or college basketball or any other sport. You can't really play them in any other sport than basketball or football. Um, but I, I, the NFL of all the, the, the teaser subsections, um, to me, they actually show a lot of value. And uh, because, again, you're, you're moving numbers through these key spreads and totals. I don't do them for totals a whole lot. Uh, but for spreads, man, when you're getting one of those eight, nine, maybe not nine, but eight, seven and a half point favorites, and you, know, you move it to under three, whew, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck there. So that's what we did this week. Um, I, I don't see Daniel Jones and Joe Judge going into the Superdome in the first game back. Um, since the hurricane <laughs> winning there, yeah. I just I, I've watched every Giants game and we're living here in New York, and 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 Joe Judge just looks completely lost. And the Giants just they hurt themselves so much with penalties and turnovers and just stupid plays. And that's a that's a product of their coaching. And Jason Garrett's our offensive coordinator, so that shouldn't surprise you either. Yeah. So that's a good spot to move them. I think I saw seven and a half, so you get them down to one and a half. And then the Chiefs, I'll be honest, I. The defense scares me, and that is why I almost put the Ravens moving them to seven and the Packers moving them to basically a pick them here. But the reason that I ended up going with the Chiefs is it's a short week for Philly, and it's still Patrick Mahomes, and it's still Hill and Kelsey and those guys. And, man, the Eagles' defense, they made the Cowboys just look like world beaters the other night. And KC hasn't lost three straight since 2017. I don't think they're losing three straight, not to this Philly team. So that's a good spot. I think Saints get – I got them in at two. You probably can get one and a half now. And the Chiefs, you move from seven to one. Um, basically a money line parlay on both. And you're getting some pretty good value there, I think. I love I love the Chiefs in any kind of teaser this week, especially yeah. against that Dallas. And if you want to take the Chiefs team total over, it's it's crazy. Like you talked about the Dallas – you talked about the Eagles defense. One thing that a lot of people fail to realize, what also makes that Eagles defense – even worse is the amount of time they're spending on the field per game. That Eagles defense is they refuse to run the ball. Yeah, they're, they're I think spend- they're going to run it this week, but I think it's Philly. Crazy. I mean, I, I think Kansas City knows that too. Yeah, um, because they can't throw it like they did the other day and expect yeah. they can't get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. 
that is not a recipe for success. So I, I think I think Sirianni will take his medicine and run it this week. But Steve Spagnuolo is no dummy, so I, yep. I, I we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I see a lot of short shortened drives, very a couple three and outs that you know Kansas City has the chance to kind of equalize on, capitalize on. Excuse me. Awesome. I uh, appreciate you for, uh, you know, taking your time out and joining us. Any last words before we part? No, I, again, I've been following you for a long time too, Brad. You guys do great work. Keep up the great stuff, and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Guys, thank you for listening to What's the Spread, and please go and follow Jared on Twitter. I'll make sure to thank include you. his information in the link. Take care.